This is Space Waffles, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome to Space Waffles. I'm Arzu, and I am extremely excited about today's episode because I have with me my best friend, Chelsea, who is here to talk about the two Star Wars marathons that we did over the course of 2021. I guess the tail end of 2020. As of today, it's actually the one-year anniversary of when we started our first one. So we are here to talk about that today. So without further ado, Chelsea. Hi. So I'm very happy you're here. I'm excited to talk about this. I know we kind of did a little write-up of our first marathon after we finished it in February, but it's different to be able to to talk it out, I think. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited. (laughs) So to kick things off, um, before we launch into our marathons, um, I want to ask you, cause I never get to do this. Um, I want to ask you like, I mean, I know, but our listeners don't like, what is your star Wars story? So we, for those who don't know, Chelsea and I used to live together in school. So we actually bonded over our love of nerdy things. And so I want you to share with our listeners, like how you got into star Wars. Well, I was raised by uh, nerdy parents um, who are into all things sci-fi. They went and saw Star Wars in theaters when it first came out. And I think they went and saw it multiple times, actually. Um, And so for me, um, Star Wars has just always been in my life. I don't actually remember the first time that I saw the original trilogy, because it was just always there. Like if there's something else on, like put Star Wars on. (laughs) And um, so it's great, like just family bonding time. And I don't particularly remember asking a lot of questions about it. It was more just like the more I watched it over the years, the more I like got to understand the plot and the characters and things like that. Um, So yeah, it's always been around for me. And then the prequel trilogy is like the trilogy of our generation. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that the first one came out when I was in like fourth grade, maybe. Yeah. Um, and so that was like, I think we were both like in the perfect age range for that trilogy. Um, you oh, know, yeah. yeah. Like going through like elementary, middle school, high school, when all those movies came out. Um, and so I definitely have a soft spot for Phantom Menace because of that, like that was the the first one. And, you know, as a kid, I thought Jar Jar was the most hilarious character I'd ever seen. (laughs) And, um, I mean, as an adult, I, he's a little bit more annoying, but, um, I still appreciate him for the, the comedic relief that he brings. Um, and so I feel like Phantom Menace can do no wrong. Um, Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, because you've got Padme, who's just such a role model. And, um, like, baby Annie is just the cutest. And, of course, Obi-Wan is, of you know, Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I feel like watching... Um, the Revenge of the Sith in particular always made me sad. I feel like that can never be my favorite movie just because it makes me so sad to see Anakin turn into Darth Vader. Even though I knew it was coming, it's still like heartbreaking every time. (laughs) Um, And then, so the sequel trilogy came out and I watched those. I think we watched, what, Last Jedi in theaters together? No, we never actually saw any of them together. Oh no! Well, okay, so these came out, sorry to interrupt, but these came out, like, the two years we were living together were the years that that The Force Awakens and Rogue One came out. And both times, because we were away for school, we're like, no, I'm going to wait and go home and watch it with my family, which we, like, you know, not right. a bad idea. But yeah. where we were living, we got the movies two days early and for some reason didn't go to the theater to watch them, which I can't, yeah. I can't fathom why we did that. But So silly. Yeah, we did watch the first six together, though, before The Force Awakens. Yes, we had yeah. a little, our first Star Wars our marathon. Our first of many marathons. Gosh, that would have been like, what, 2015? 16, 15, 16. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it went really well. Like, I mean, we got to like hash out those movies 
at least um, seven and eight were good. And then um, Rise of Skywalker comes and we're both like, excuse me? I don't um, think we talked about it for months. And I feel like I just didn't know. Yeah, we were just so shocked. What to say <laughs> or if you liked it and then I would just drag it down. So I feel like it has its good points and its bad points. Um, and like overall as a movie, it's, it's kind of weak, um, which I guess we can get into detail later. But yeah. there are some good points to it. I think that's the nicest thing anybody's ever said about the rise of skywalker on this show <laughs> <laughs> okay so with that let's let's jump into it so our first marathon of, of lockdown i guess because our first marathon as we said was in 2015 but our first marathon lockdown was what i called the mega marathon it was a complete viewing of the entire star wars saga movies and TV shows in story order, so in chronological order, which we started on the 4th of December last year. And it took us a total of 63 days. 63 viewing days, days. 87 calendar days. Yeah, so there were, you know, obviously days we missed because life happens, holidays, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, And then, so Chelsea did the math on this, and it was... It's 8,851 minutes or 147 and a half hours, which yep. is an average of two hours and 20 minutes a day. Yeah. So if you want to do this marathon, you can do it in 63 viewing days. It's fun to see watch for two and a half hours a day. And if you're really keen on getting it in under 60 days, you have to boost it by about what? Um, really, Basically it's an like, extra look- episode. Yeah, because we watched about two hours and 20 minutes per day. If you bump it up to two and a half hours per day, then you could do it in 60 days. Yeah, so if you're very yeah. motivated. I can't I can't imagine a scenario outside of lockdown where it's possible to watch this all this quickly. Yeah, if you have a social life, I'm not sure that's possible. <laughs> yeah, no, we, which we didn't in January. Unless you have a job where you can like watch as you're working or something, then that's totally fine. All right, so let's dive into this marathon. So we said what it is, but do you want to tell everybody what prompted us to do a full a full saga watch? Um, I believe I was watching one of the Mandalorian seasons, probably season one, and I couldn't quite place in my head where it was in the timeline. And so I was texting you while watching it and trying to figure out, okay, where is this placed? What, you know, what is the state of the universe at this point? And I was asking so many questions that I was like, you know what? I have so many Star Wars questions in general. And I feel like um, there's always been little gaps in my knowledge. Um, Like how do we get from the attack of the clones um, to revenge of the Sith? Because with the way the movie jumps, it seems like maybe like a year or two has passed, but it's actually much longer than that. And I never realized, you know, really what happens in the Clone Wars because they kind of brush over it in the movies. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, there's a war. It's the happened. beginning and the end of the war, but not that. Yeah. Not that far off, though. It really is only three years of war. So, yeah. Not that far off. But still, That's like, it's a really jam packed three years. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I just felt like I, I'd seen all of the main movies, but I wasn't quite piecing together the, the overall timeline very well. And I also hadn't seen the majority of the TV shows. I, I mean, I'd seen Mandalorian season one, but I had not seen the Clone Wars show or Rebels or Resistance. Um, so there was a lot of fresh content for me when we did the marathon, which was really exciting. Uh, but yeah, I just I just texted you and was like, I don't understand a lot of stuff. Can we just <laughs> do a marathon and like do it in chronological order, which ended up being kind of a, a task for you because figuring out the order of the Clone Wars show, um, they kind of jump around a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so that took some work for you. I will say StarWars.com makes it really easy because they had like one page of like this is the chronological order so i just went in there and like started copying it out but then you know there are arcs within there mm-hmm. and i wanted to make sure like the arcs weren't separated and watch the whole arc in one go and yeah and things like that and i think a huge thing because i do want to say this because i feel like a lot of our listeners are like in the life as star wars stands and just had kind of seen everything as it came out which wasn't even the case for me because i didn't see a lot of this until it was done but 
And things like Ahsoka popping up in the Mandalorian season two. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe I correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like you had an idea that Ahsoka is a thing, but didn't really know like what part she played. Am I right? Because right. I remember we talked about like her overall arc prior to starting the marathon, but I don't remember how much you knew about Ahsoka before we started. And she winds up playing a huge part, especially in the Clone Wars. Right. I think, I mean, that was my first view of Ahsoka. So I, mean, I didn't know anything about her. Okay. So you didn't even know that Ahsoka was like a character. No, no, not at all. Okay. All right. So really going in fresh. So before we jump into the marathon, now I want to know. Um, because I forgot, although I feel like I asked, what was your understanding of Ahsoka in that episode without context? Um, I guess it's hard to say. It's kind of like, obviously, she's a badass character and that I want to see more of. But I mean, not knowing any of her history it was like, okay, well, you know, when was she trained as a Jedi? Because at this point, it's supposed to be that all the Jedi are gone. But so mm-hmm. is she, you know, one of the last remaining Jedi? Um, does she work with Luke? You know, so many questions. More questions than... <laughs> More like... questions than answers. <laughs> yes. And never mind the Admiral Thrawn name drop at the end. Right. Just a whole other thing. Okay, so let's talk Mega Marathon. So how... What were your, like... What was your impression at the end of it all? Because I know it was like a a task for us to get through it all and we wound up not necessarily synchronizing when we were watching the tv shows just because schedules were different although we did make an effort to watch every movie together yes which i appreciated um i just came out of it with such a better understanding of how things progress like particularly with the clone war stuff i think that was the most confusing for me going into it and just having a like much better understanding and even throwing in like movies like solo understanding like what age Han was when things were happening. Um, just so putting all the pieces together. And um, I mean, it, and it was so much fun. It wasn't even, I guess there was a little bit of relief. Like, Oh my God, we did it. But it was mostly <laughs> like, this was so much fun. Um, what, who am I now without star Wars? in my life every single day and um, now what at the end yeah exactly and um so my parents did this marathon with us and literally the day after we finished it my mom binged all three of the sequel trilogy again just because she didn't want the marathon to be over (laughs) and I'm like oh my god I love you (laughs) this is (laughs) this is why I love Star Wars because I was raised by nerdy parents who are into it as much as I am I love that. I love that. That was a lot of fun having having your parents like with us. And then when we did the, because we did occasionally do phone calls to like debrief bigger arcs, mm-hmm. and then having your parents there for that too. Yep, they had a lot of a questions lot of too. <laughs> <laughs> but I just love like how into it they got, like how into this yeah. marathon they got. Yeah. So what what were the highlights for you, like arrow wise, marathon wise, like? Do you remember what your highlights were? Um, I mean, Ahsoka was definitely a highlight. I mean, I think learning about um, a, a lot of new characters in the Clone Wars that I didn't realize before in Revenge of the Sith, they're like at the very tail end of the war, there's like all these Jedi getting killed. And when you haven't seen the show, it's just like, random Jedi and yeah it's sad but it doesn't really have an impact whereas if you've seen the show and you're introduced to you know Plo Koon and you know Kit Fisto and these kind of characters um it find it, it hits you a lot harder when you see them killed because you're like wait a minute <laughs> that's my friend <laughs> um so I feel like the watching the shows enhanced my enjoyment of the movies um because it just like gave it so much more detail um, that it just, yeah. I mean, it was a better viewing experience overall. I do want to kind of talk about the sequel era particularly, because I feel like the first two eras, like the prequel era, the original era are kind of very firmly built up. Like Mm -hmm. 
the original is the original rebels i kind of see as being part of that era because it bleeds into it the mandalorian draws a lot of inspiration from it so that mm -hmm. kind of feels like one umbrella right. and then obviously the clone wars up to revenge of the sith but the sequel trilogy era so resistance through to the rise of skywalker which mm -hmm. i feel like some of you might know this but when we did this marathon and when we did our other one which we'll talk about later um chelsea went all the way through i stopped at the last jedi both times yeah <laughs> i was just like that or i guess not necessarily but i stopped before the rise of skywalker because she is a braver woman than i am <laughs> i will take the the ambiguous ending over the uh over the other one so anyway so going into that please know that she is the only one who has truly done these marathons and i that's true you technically did not finish them i technically <laughs> did not finish them well no i used the tag of the last jedi as the end of the marathon yeah <laughs> but true. anyway so so the sequel era, like it's the, it's the most recent. It's the one that we got kind of got to experience together in in real time mm -hmm. rather than in retrospect. Um, what were your thoughts on watching it as like a culmination of this? Like, I guess it would have been sixty some odd days, fifty five days that had come before it. Like, did you feel? I don't know. How do you feel? I guess that it blends with the rest because I feel like it works. I feel like. It is a natural continuation to a point of the story that we had just watched. But I wondered what your like thoughts on that were. Um, well, I do feel like there's still a gap. I don't know how many years there is between like Mandalorian and The Force Awakens. It's like it's 29. Like, yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely lots of. No, maybe less. There for... Like 25 years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, I mean, if they do some more animated shows or something for that time gap, that would be great. Um, so, I mean, I feel like the, the sequels do kind of stand on their own in that way and that there's not so much of a bridge like there is with the prequel and original trilogy. Mm -hmm. um, but I do feel like, it, I mean, it does mostly continue pretty well. I, well, the first time that I saw Force Awakens, I was confused because it was like, okay, apparently the Republic is failing again, and there's the First Order, which... Is not the that, Empire. Right? And I was like, so is that, like, the remnants of the Empire coming back? And I feel like it kind of just jumped straight in without very much explanation. And so I enjoyed the movie, but was kind of confused as to what was actually happening <laughs> in terms of, like, government and, like, like what is what is the Republic doing to try to stop the first order? Nothing. Um, Literally. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, talking to you about it, because I think you've kind of read some more information that gave a little bit more context. Um, yeah. Um, Claudia Gray's bloodline, I think of all of the books, all of the canon books does the best job of setting up how they got there. Followed okay. by the aftermath trilogy, which is set directly after revenge of the, uh, return of the jedi but if you want like a one book primer bloodline because they kind okay. of they kind of do set all that up yeah i need to read that one you do it's very good <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so the first time i watched it i think i was kind of confused um and i i think i enjoyed last jedi a little bit more partially just because it's so beautiful i mean mm -hmm. it's so beautifully shot uh, but then you like know the characters a little bit better um, and so doing the marathon was like, okay, I can watch these movies now with a little bit more context. And, you know, I understand everything that came before it so well that even though there is like a 25 year time gap, that it, it doesn't feel so big since I understand what comes before it better. Yeah, I think, I think in my personal recommendation is that watching all of it and then going directly into the sequels, like in chronological order, whether or not you want to do the shows, although I do recommend doing the shows in between, is it like does make that world feel richer, like you said, and it also kind of links to it in like a, like a spiritual sense, mm -hmm. like the threads of like the Skywalker family become a lot easier to trace. Right. Yeah. When you trace it from the origin, like from Shmi all the way down to, to Ben in the end. So, so yeah. So ultimately, would you recommend this viewing order? Yes, I. It does. It does sound a little bit scary with how long it takes, um, <laughs> but it's totally worth it. <laughs> and it's only getting scarier because we had not. The Bad Batch wasn't out yet, so we didn't right. watch the Bad Batch with this. 
and we've got a whole bunch coming up yeah there's all kinds yeah all kinds of shows in the next year or two coming up so i feel like in two years from now we're gonna have to do this again adding in all of the new shows and it's probably (laughs) gonna add like an extra month on at least to the time i'm imagining it now like if if sort of what i've worked out from the release schedule is true everything we're getting starting with book of boba fett on the 29th down to the end of 2022 it sounds like there's maybe three weeks in the year where we're not getting any new star Wars show, but otherwise Mm -hmm. like we're getting an episode a week. So that's almost 50 more episodes being added to this in one year. And that's just that one year. So that would be book of Boba, um, Kenobi and or and Mando and bad batch which Mm -hmm. and bad batch. All of that in the same year, and then Ahsoka down the line. Who knows what else down the line? Because a lot of things are getting announced, and then we're not so sure. So, yeah, I think 2023, we're going to need to do it again. <laughs> Check back with us in 2023. See yeah. how long that took. <laughs> how many months does it add on? <laughs> well, okay, so let's try to work it out. So, two and a half hours a day ish, mm-hmm. and we've got 50 new episodes, let's say. Well, it depends if they're like half hour versus closer to one hour. Let's split the difference and say 35 minutes. Yeah. That would be three episodes a day. That's not bad. Yeah, I guess not. Three divided by 50 is like 13 days. Okay, so that's not too bad. Okay. I'm giving us a bit of leeway. Okay, so it's going to take us 76 days. <laughs> In 2023 to watch the whole thing. Totally doable. Totally doable. Yeah. Totally, totally. Okay. So that was our first marathon, and that was at the beginning of 2021. Um, And then more recently, so in October, I believe, we decided to try a second marathon. So this is one that some of you might have heard already. It comes courtesy of our friends at Sky Talkers Podcast, and it is their nesting order or their matryoshka order. So... This is like a, how do we put this? Like one of those cut up viewing orders where you don't watch it chronologically or in release order. Right. Um, and I will link to their episode on it in the show notes if you want to check it out, because I do actually recommend you check it out. I think it worked out very nicely. But the loose order of things, the way they do them is The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi, and then the Rise of Skywalker. So, which sounds like utter chaos, but I promise there is a there is a moment where I think I believe it's Caitlin is walking through their reasoning, and it just clicks, mm-hmm. and suddenly it makes sense. But before we talk about the nesting order specifically, had you ever done any of these like machete order no. viewings before? No, I I had never gotten into machete order. I well, I don't like the the strict machete order because it takes out phantom menace i'm like Mm. but it's such a great movie (laughs) so so i've never done that one so i'm like well no i can't cut that out um but no i think this is the first one i've ever done that's technically out of order i i would agree with that i feel like if you exclude the phantom menace from any viewing and hope to gain some sort of understanding of who anakin skywalker is specifically i feel like you missed you missed the moment that makes him who he is by completely right. taking out the Phantom Menace. Yep. It's all it's all set up right there. So mm-hmm. anyway. It's just a great movie. That too. That too, both from just an aesthetic point of view and from like a thematic and story point of view. Yeah, I, you I feel like... It yeah, it's been one of my favorite movies, partially just because it actually works as a standalone. I mean, mm-hmm. you can watch that with no knowledge of the Star Wars universe and understand what's going on and enjoy the ride. Yeah, I would I would agree personally in that I do think it's it's a great standalone. Like there's you know the vague notion of trouble on the horizon, but what movie mm-hmm. doesn't have that? Yeah. But I do find for for people who have no knowledge of Star Wars like whatsoever, it is hard for them to get into the Phantom Menace first, only because they the Phantom Menace sort of loosely presumes that you have seen Star Wars before, mm-hmm. so bigger concepts like. Jedi, the Force, a lightsaber. Right. Like, you don't have to really talk people through this, but 
you don't realize until you look at it through those eyes that A New Hope really does walk you through what a Jedi is, what a lightsaber is, what the Force is. Like, Obi-Wan is there with his definitions. Just setting you up for, for all this. So, But I do think if you have seen it all the way through once and you want just one to watch that doesn't require watching anything else, I think The Phantom Menace is, is the best candidate for that. Right. Yeah, I agree. So let's get into it. So the... The idea of the nesting order is sort of diving deeper and deeper into the mythology of the Skywalker family, of sort of all of this, and then mm-hmm. slowly resolving everybody's arc. So resolve Anakin, resolve Luke, resolve Rey, in theory. But um, we kind of took a different approach to this, <laughs> which I enjoyed. Do you want to walk everybody through what, what exactly we did? Right. So in, in, um, in Sky Talkers, they talk about starting out with the um, uh, the Force Awakens and kind of being an audience member and you're learning about the Skywalkers for the first time, just like Rey is, and then you walk it back a generation and then you walk it back a generation to learn more about the Skywalkers. And then in the other direction, you're unpacking the Palpatine story in a different way also. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of took it a step further with the Skywalker myth in that we imagined ourselves as Rey. Mm-hmm. And um, so like, and basically in The Force Awakens, we're like, okay, what does Rey know about the universe at large? Um, what has she heard about the Skywalkers, if she has at all? And um, going through, you know, like pretending it's like present day action um, with Force Awakens and Last Jedi. And at the end of Last Jedi, it perfectly sets it up to where Rey is going to go do some training with Leia for some more Jedi training. And it's just a natural, um, I think it just you know, works organically that Ray is obviously going to be asking Leia a lot of questions about not just, you know, the Force and Jedi, but about about herself, Leia, and her brother, and Han. Like, you know, what kind of adventures did you get up to? And Leia would be like, well, let me tell you. So there was this thing called the Death Star. <laughs> yeah. And so basically, then after watching Last Jedi you go to a new hope and this is leia telling her story like the the you know trio of her and luke and han and the movie actually opens with leia so it's a perfect setup mm-hmm. to her being like okay this is what i was doing at this point in time and how it directly led into um, finding luke and han and everything that we got up to to defeat the empire And we also kind of imagined that, you know, while Ray was listening, we have some other characters kind of trickle in to listen to the story, like Poe and Finn and Rose are like, bring in some popcorn and blankets, like, let's get down. (laughs) They've all got questions. Yeah. (laughs) Any of the like tangents that the story seems to go on is always like in our head prompted by somebody asking a question. Yeah, and like I feel like Finn would love the whole I love you, I know lines with Han and Leia. <laughs> <laughs> and he would probably try to use those in real life. Um, Pope so, pretends it doesn't work, but it's really working. It's fine. Yeah, it's really working. And yeah, also they're boyfriends in our headcanon. So. They are boyfriends in canon. They are boyfriends are they? in canon. I've, deci- I've decided. Oh, you've decided. Okay. Well, no, okay. Another book wreck, Resistance Reborn by Rebecca Roanhorse, which is a spiritual sequel, if not a literal sequel, to Bloodline. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just saying that there is absolutely no reason for Poe to so affectionately adjust Finn's tie and smooth out his jacket and turn him to face in the mirror <laughs> and be like, look how handsome you look, unless they're, like, dating. Right. There's no reason. So Poe lets him keep his jacket. I mean, Poe hand-stitched that jacket so Finn could wear it again. Right. In a deleted scene. So, I'm just saying. Yep. Anyway, so yes, in our head, Ken anyway. and boyfriends. <laughs> yeah, so Leia's telling this story, and we kind of imagined that um, when she gets towards the end of Empire Strikes Back and has the whole, you know, Luke, I am your father reveal from Darth Vader, 
that you know our quartet of of characters listening to the story are like wait what back it up back it up <laughs> and Leia's like okay 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 well back it up let me tell you the story of my father so then you go back to Phantom Menace and it's like oh little Annie he's so cute like how could he possibly become Darth Vader it doesn't make any sense um and and then moving further into that prequel trilogy it's like the trio the the quartet of characters listening is like wait this is this is not great (laughs) (laughs) annie no (laughs) i did realize like it didn't occur to me while we were watching it but thinking of it through the lens of this is a story leia is telling it then makes a lot of sense for bail organa to pop up as much as he does in two and three because like you know, he's he's instrumental to the plot in that he is a senator. He's allied with Padme. But there were a lot of senators allied with Padme. Mm-hmm. Bail is the one we talk about. So obviously this isn't intentional, but it is cute to think that, like, Leia is propping up her dad as, like, yeah. he was there, too. He was trying to stop all this, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And just so many, like, jokes about what they, they could be discussing while Leia is telling the story. And, like, you know Leia is throwing all kinds of sass into it like making Luke seem much more whiny than he really was <laughs> Han's a bigger idiot than he probably is yeah exactly <laughs> and so basically um so she wraps up you know what happens in um Revenge of the Sith and concludes you know her father's becoming you know father becoming Darth Vader and then concludes with Return of the Jedi like okay this is how we ultimately defeated the Empire and so she ends her storytelling and then we basically jump back to you know present day and go through the events of Rise of Skywalker and so then Rey in particular just has such a better understanding of how we came to this point with the First Order um, rising from the ashes of the Empire and the Skywalker family and all of their dynamic. Um, So it really helps you look at the Skywalkers from a different perspective. Um, And then there's also like the underlying less fun element of unraveling who Palpatine is Mm. and, and how he got to where he got to in Rise of Skywalker. I mean, I think... Like, as somebody who who is unwilling to rewatch The Rise of Skywalker until there's a continuation <laughs> past that point, so that that's mm-hmm. not always where we stop. Um, I will say, if you do choose to do this um, order without The Rise of Skywalker, I still think it holds up. I mm-hmm. think you do get to chart Palpatine's growth anyway. In, that's true. In yeah. a very organic way. Um, and I would just recommend you stop The Last Jedi before Broom Boy. Do the rest of the marathon and then just finish with Broom Boy so that you yep. can, as Chelsea said, like bring it back to present day and, yep. and end it there instead. Um, so yeah, that was my that was my thought on it. Um, okay, so one thing I want to talk about is the transitions from non-sequential movies. So that mm-hmm. would be between eight and four, and then three, mm-hmm. six, and then six, nine. Six, nine, mm-hmm. I obviously can't can't really speak to, but I wonder what you felt about about those transitions because I have my thoughts but what are yours um I mean it's really interesting to like start out with Luke as an older man and then go back to him in his youth and you kind of have a, a sharper contrast of how he's progressed as a person um like what kind of lessons he's learned and know where he came from exactly um i mean in general i the 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 sky talker girls caitlin and charlotte talk about how um not watching rise of skywalker immediately after last jedi makes for a smoother transition later on and it (laughs) separate them by six (laughs) movies right and it, it kind of works i mean it is really nice to go from last jedi to a new hope because it's like good movie to good movie instead of like good movie to disappointing movie um so it kind of makes it it really leaves all the heavy stuff for the end um 
because it's like the you know the first two of the sequel going to the original trilogy which everybody loves going to the beginning of the prequel trilogy um you know starts out really happy and then you kind of get like all the bad stuff at the end (laughs) but it makes it i guess it makes it for a, a lighter viewing overall because you're saving all that stuff for the end instead of like going back and forth yeah (laughs) one thing i liked about the transition from eight to four and not just you know finishing eight and then going into an actually good movie but um was going from luke you know give literally giving it all for the cause Mm -hmm. and then like the second or third conversation significant conversation you hear him have is him telling obi-wan i can't get involved like I can't get involved in any of this. I'll give you a ride, but then I'm going home. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but this is the guy who just got involved in like the biggest possible way in terms yeah. of what we just saw. So I liked, I like that transition. Like I'm skeptical of Luke Skywalker these days, but, but that was a beautiful moment. I'm like, okay. I think yeah. seeing him through another lens helped. Yeah. I see the character growth in there. Yeah. Like you can really chart the growth very neatly, which I liked. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, then the transition, I think from three to six, like you said, it's all the heavy stuff is right at the end. Mm-hmm. But it was almost sadder because you just saw young Anakin like very excited at the prospect of like having kids with his wife and like this life mm-hmm. that they're going to build together and they want all of that. And obviously that didn't happen. And then less than four hours later, he finally gets to like meet his son and like, yeah, he's Darth Vader and he's done some terrible things. But in that moment, it's like Annie is back. <laughs> Right. At least for me, like, you tr- like I know that was always the intention, but it really, I think, lands when Young Anakin is the last movie you saw before this one. Yeah, I, I like the transition from three to six because it resolves the oh no, Annie is Darth Vader issue a lot faster, and mm-hmm. that y- you see him become Darth Vader and you're really sad, and then you immediately jump to him throwing off the Darth Vader mantle and saving his son. And so you're not like agonizing for two movies. Yes. <laughs> because it really was just so sad to see him like interacting with his children and not being able to have a normal relationship with them. And so getting it resolved quicker was a bit easier emotionally. So I do want to ask about your your transition from six to nine then. But I will also say for those like me who have, there are bits of The Rise of Skywalker that I like, which is why I say I like 70% of the sequel trilogy because that other mm-hmm. 3.333% comes from, from The Rise of Skywalker. Um, right. So things like the Han and Ben scene, anything mm-hmm. Raylo up until that last 10 seconds. Um, right. Poe becoming a general, which I think was a very natural culmination of all that. So like little things mm-hmm. here and there. Um if you want to keep all that and choose to pretend that the rise of Skywalker didn't happen, like I do, you can pretend that all of that is what they saw when they touched hands. And then you get, <laughs> cause that, I think I told you this while we were watching it, but I'm like, that's what I choose to believe so right. that I can keep the bits that I like. Yeah, so exactly. if you'd like to do that, you can do that. But what were your thoughts on your, on the transition from six to nine now? Um, I mean, I do agree with Caitlin and Charlotte a little bit that it's a bit smoother of a transition um, to go from six to nine instead of eight to nine, um, because it kind of removes you from the events uh, a little bit so that you can kind of process the information a little better. Um, I mean, I still don't think it redeems it as a movie, but... (laughs) No, it can't because at the end of the day, the nonsense plot is a nonsense plot. It's just further removed from yeah. the rest of the character arc. Yeah, I mean, there's things to enjoy. Like, I mean, it's, I mean, obviously they they put a lot of money into it, and so you know, the special effects are cool. The acting is great, and then you have like the scenes where all of the ships from the various allies come to help them at the end is a cool shot. And Bobby Frick is great. Bobby Frick is adorable. Um, and at the end, all of the um, past Jedi talking to Rey to encourage her is a nice moment. Um, although I I really appreciate appreciate watching it at home with subtitles because I can't I when I watched it in theaters I was like 
I think I recognize that voice. And who is that? And wait, because who... <laughs> you wouldn't have known Kanan or Ahsoka or exactly Luminara, and they're all there. So, but even because it happens so fast, watching it at home with subtitles, I was like, oh, that's who's talking. Okay. Um, so I mean, there's definitely a lot of nice moments in it, and having it almost like as a separate story at the very end um, helps kind of ease the burden of the ultimate plot failure. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't regret watching it necessarily, but uh, yeah, I think it is easier to go to it from six than from eight. Yeah. So, so that keeps it a little separate. So, so going back to now having watched this saga twice in a year. So once in mm -hmm. its entirety and once with a deeper, I guess, mythological understanding mm -hmm. and sort of like a more clear family through line understanding. Were there any notions or thoughts you had of Star Wars prior to beginning these marathons that like changed over the course of, of your viewings? Cause I know like when I went back and rewatched everything like prior to our marathon, but even more so once we went through it, like the really big one, I didn't care about the clones all that much prior right. and I got very attached to clones as a concept to you know to their personhood to the Rex in particular like all of this especially rewatching. so like that's one example so I wondered like what those were for you if there were any I feel like in general it's just made Star Wars such a richer experience for me because watching them in these different orders helps me understand the core characters better that I've known for a long time but then introduced so many new elements that support those main characters so well. Um, even just thinking about it in terms of like all of the, um, I lost my word. What am I thinking of? Not drones. Clones? No. Droids. Droids, yes. <laughs> Clones and droids, you get drones. <laughs> yes. Um, so thinking about everything in terms of of the droids is like man the droids really carry the series <laughs> in a lot of ways <laughs> like r2 does so much that is like behind the scenes and the jedi don't even realize how useful he is sometimes um <laughs> and and they i mean so much comedic relief too with um R2 and BB-8 and Chopper, who's amazing. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, I almost want to watch it just in terms of looking out for the joints and what they're up to. <laughs> the whole thing or the just day. the movies? I don't know. I'm, I'm up to negotiations. Um, <laughs> I just think the droids carry so much of the story. And, and it's like people are obsessed with Luke Skywalker or Han Solo I'm like, you know what? I'm here for the droids. You know, it, every I think every iteration of Star Wars, even granted not Mando so much, but even Mando to, to a lesser extent have that one droid that kind of, yeah, you're right, like carries the story. Like Rogue One has K2 yeah. and Solo has yeah. L3. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we wouldn't be oh, Star I just Wars got that. without them. K2, L3. <laughs> it just clicked for me. I don't know if that was intentional, but anyway. So. But yeah, I feel like we need we need more content praising the the droids and focusing on on their accomplishments. I'm here I for agree. that. I agree. They are they go from from sweet like BB-8 to utterly psychotic like Chopper. <laughs> everything in between. I'm here for it. Any variation, I'm good with. That's the focus when we watch it in 2023. That'll be our through line: is keeping yes. an eye on the droids throughout. Yeah, tracking uh, their sassiness levels. Oh, we've got what's his name in the Bad Batch? Gonky in the Bad Batch. Yeah, so we've, got, we've got a droid throughout. Yeah. All right. Was there anything final you wanted to add about our marathons? Well, I think in general, if you're like me and you're you've always been a fan but haven't really understood how things piece together. Um, then really doing any kind of marathon, I think will help if you're not up for the lengthy mega marathon that we did. <laughs> I mean, you, 
even if you want to do it and it's kind of intimidating, you don't have to do it in like three months like we did. We're, we're a little crazy. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> notable for our intensity. You can take yeah. your time. Plus, we did it in lockdown, so we didn't really have much else going on. Um, so don't let the length of it intimidate you because it really does help. Um, and even with the nesting order, I think... I mean, that's obviously much shorter because it's just the nine core movies, um, but it still gives you a richer understanding of, of how everything fits together and, and the character growth. Um, and I mean, really just any way that you can interact with Star Wars is always fun. And like now listening to all your podcast episodes talking about books, I'm like, man, I got to start getting into the books now, I guess. I'll send you a spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> All the High Republic stuff coming out. I'm like, man, I got to get into it. It'll be interesting down the line if and when they choose to bring the High Republic to a visual medium. Because then the next mm -hmm. time we do that marathon, we're not kicking off with the Phantom Menace. Right. So that would be that, the mega marathon, obviously, the, the nesting order, which I yeah. think we both also highly recommend. And again, that's yes. in the show notes, as is our spreadsheet for the mega marathon to save you some time. Um I think those, where was I going with this? I think, yeah, I think it'll be interesting, like, eventually to, to start a mega marathon and build into it, into the mm -hmm. Phantom Menace rather than kicking off there. Yeah, that's true. I can't remember which show it is. There's one of the shows that talks a little bit more about, um, like, the Jedi who... Are there just like the temple guard, I guess? I think it's rebels. Like they talk, like when Kanan faces the temple guard on, on Lethal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I'd like to learn more about the temple guards and I was thinking more in kind of the, the early stuff would be, gosh, I don't remember their names. It was like the father with his two children. Oh, the father, the daughter and the son. So yeah. The, the Mortis arc and stuff like that. Yeah. The, the yeah. history of the force. Yeah, it feels like, I mean, if they did, I mean, that would probably be set before Phantom Menace as well, if they did kind of um, a show about how that got started. That would be great. I think um, Leslie Headland's Acolyte series, which is so far out, we're not even really sure when it's coming. I think that is meant to be set at the tail end of the High Republic. Mm -hmm. So I'd be interested to see how much of that they touch on. Because, like, the Jedi Order as a whole, like, we see it through this marathon. You mm -hmm. can see it in the High Republic. You can see it in the books. Jedi Order as a concept is messed up. Like, right. <laughs> the Jedi themselves are great. We all have our faves. But, like, mm -hmm. the Order itself is messed up. And I think I'd like to see it in a visual medium, like, watching how that, like, starts to slowly spiral. Right. Because we do sort of see that in, in the Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, and also it would be great to see in any kind of show, see more characters who interact with the Force in different ways who aren't mm. Jedi. Because there are other cultures that, um, one of which we saw in the shorts that they had that came out, where they they kind of, in, they call the Force something different. And there's like the wedding. Oh, visions. Wedding. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, the ma Magina? I think they call it. Yeah. Like so basically interacting with the force as like a god of nature kind of. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's another group of people who kind of worship the force as part of the religion, but they don't interact with it the same way that the Jedi do. Um, in general, seeing more cultures like that, I think would make the universe a lot more interesting because it's it's not all about the Jedi. There's other yeah. people who have force connections and they just don't have lightsabers, you know? I'm very excited for you to read the High Republic. Is there a lot of that in there? There's a little bit. I have feelings. I guess we'll see how where it goes, but I'm very excited for you to read the High Republic. And like <laughs> now I'm wondering, now that you brought up visions, I know it's not canon. Objectively I know that. I also feel like if you're properly motivated, you can think of it as canon. Because, like, mm -hmm. if we've learned anything through these two marathons, it's that this is a mythology. This is a story. Point of views are subjective. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a bigger galaxy. It goes beyond the Skywalkers. So now I'm kind of interested to see, like, if we go through visions and sort of 
try to pinpoint like when things take place if we can work that into our mega marathon so it would be like one random episode of visions here and there yeah which means we would probably have to start with the the elder because that they said is probably set during the high republic so even as of now we're not starting with the phantom menace anymore i'm okay with that okay so i'm gonna add that into the spreadsheet and that's what's gonna be in the show notes (laughs) (laughs) with a little asterisk beside it noting that yes we know this isn't canon yeah well, then I feel like that raises the question of, is there other non-canon stuff that you would add in? Is, there's like a Clone Wars movie that's not canon. The two, the 2D animated Clone Wars. Right. That, I think, actually doesn't line up quite the same with mm-hmm. this as like Visions would, only because Asajj Ventress dies in that series. Right. And then when you, and you could say like, oh, well, she's not really dead. But then when she meets up with them later, it doesn't seem like they have that same history. Right. But I know parts of that that do still work with the story have been reintegrated into the story. Like okay. like her like Asajj Ventress's backstory, for instance, or like which Padawan is training with which master and, and stuff like okay. that. So yeah. The only reason I add visions at all is because it's under the Disney umbrella now. Right. But yeah, that would be interesting to to find out. <sighs> All right. So Chelsea, thank you so, so much for coming on. I had a lot of fun. We, Me too. We used to talk like this all the time and we don't get the chance to do that much thanks to COVID. So I'm glad that we got to do it this way. All right. So Chelsea, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online? Well, I do have a Twitter at Chelsea Fairless, but I don't post anything. So <laughs> you are welcome to follow me. <laughs> And not get any content. But some very supportive likes. <laughs> Occasionally. Yes. Yes. I Well, I've gotten into kind of the Star Wars fandom through you. Mm. And I started following a lot of your Star Wars friends on Twitter. And so they're probably wondering who this random girl is who's liking all their posts. Um, <laughs> but... She's an incredible human being. And you should all be so lucky. <laughs> yeah. My only tweets are like responding to your tweets pretty much. We'll get we'll get you in there and before you know it, you're gonna be vague tweeting about some fights that you want to have with people and can't. <laughs> as we all do. <laughs> all right. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Arzuamin, and that's where you can find all your space waffles updates as well. Um, as a network, we are on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at the geeky waffle. And we are also at thegeekywaffle.com. And patreon.com slash the geeky waffle, where you can go to sign up for our Patreon and get access to things like our Discord server and waffles after dark. So thank you all so much for listening. The droids are the backbone of Star Wars and may the waffles be with you.